All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Just the Facts. This is your host, Tasha Bryant. Um, hope everyone's had a really good week. As always, we've got tons to discuss within the news media. Um, so interestingly enough, um, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, who used to be revered uh, to many as America's mayor, because, of course, Rudy Giuliani was the mayor of New York when 9-11 happened. So he had great respect for how he dealt with, um, dealt with that terrorist attack. And a lot of people really respected him and revered him and loved him. And he's managed to undo all of that by his, um, just almost religious zealot like, um, approach to his, unwavering loyalty to Trump. So um, he's currently announced that he has tested positive for COVID-19, which I don't think is really a shocker to anybody, considering that he's all over the country um, chasing down these rabbit holes of fake uh, fraudulent accusations uh, regarding our electoral system. Um, so I don't think anyone's really shocked that he is ill. Um, so we'll just have to see how this progresses. I, I know he's uh, currently in the hospital. Um, uh, so being that, you know, he's an older gentleman and uh, most likely not all, but some older people do have pre-existing conditions that make them more susceptible to this virus. I don't know if he has any cholesterol or hypertension or, you know, things that uh, most older people kind of are plagued with. Um, but we'll definitely see how this uh, moves forward with this uh, announcement of the illness. So all eyes are on Georgia, of course, because this is where the runoff is taking place, um, where we are hoping that um, the Democrats will be victorious and um, John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock will be the new senators representing the state of Georgia. Um, all eyes are definitely on there because these Senate races are going to be the determining factor in who is in charge in the Senate. Will it uh, remain under the do-nothing control of Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, or will the Democrats be able to take over and Chuck Schumer will assume uh, that role as Senate, uh, as the Senate leader? Um, so as we are all aware, whenever you are campaigning and um, looking to be elected, you meet people and you also do debates. That's how you express yourself. That's how you express your platform. That's how you um, discuss what your what your policies are, are going to be. That's that's how people really get a sense uh, of who you are. So um, Democrat John Ossoff debated an empty podium on Sunday night, uh, repeatedly blasting his opponent, Republican Georgia Senator David Perdue, for refusing to participate in the debate. It shows an astonishing arrogance and sense of entitlement for, for Georgia Senator, a, a U.S. Senator, to believe he shouldn't have to debate 
at a moment like this in our history, which I definitely agree. Um, I, I don't I don't think I can remember in all my studies of politics, a situation where a candidate has not participated in at least one debate. Even Mitch McConnell, as horrible of a politician as he is, uh, went on to debate um, his challenger that ultimately came short, uh, Amy McGrath. So um, that's interesting. It's a different type of strategy. I guess he feels he has it in the bag and uh, they're going to vote for me regardless. So I don't need to show up, which we know that that's really not the case because of all the rhetoric and lies that have been coming out of uh, the Trump campaign and Trump himself and his allies and his lawyer like Rudy Giuliani, it's now starting to have the opposite effect where voter suppression is starting to um, show itself into the Republican base. Because now these Republicans who are avid Trump supporters, who, in my opinion, you've got, we're in a three-party system. We've got Democrats, we've re Republicans and Trumpers. Um, so these Trumpers are being filled with disinformation, uh, from all kinds of Facebook sites and random, um, internet pages that, you know, don't show who they're from or have any type of contact information or provide any type of sourcing um, that gives any type of validity to uh, the claims that they are making. Um, and I mean, it's simple as to why, because there are none. Um, it's completely fraudulent, complete lies. Uh, there is no vo voter fraud. There's no issues. Uh, we had the most secure and safe election in our country's history. Um, so, that's not taking place. Um, but a lot of these avid Trump supporters, which are at the core and the base of uh, the Republican voting stream, and they need these people to come out and vote uh, because those are the people that would carry them over are, are saying that there's no need for them to vote because they're believing all these lies about switching with voter machines and signatures. And I mean, just all of this foolery. Um, so he most definitely doesn't have anything in the bag and he should have definitely um, not allowed himself to be overconfident in his feeling of comfortability. So we'll definitely see how that resonates at the polls. But I would be incensed if my candidate um, did not show up. I would find it disrespectful. Um, so we'll see how that moves forward. Of course, that runoff election takes place on January 5th um, in Georgia. So William Barr... Um, of course, we know he's the attorney general um, for the Trump administration, um, you know, basically meaning he's the top law enforcement person in the country. Um, so he has been very reluctant to um, speak out against or come out against um, anything that Trump has wanted to do. And in fact, he has helped and backed up and, uh, you know, bent rules and broken policy and procedures and changed policy and procedures to fit uh, Trump and his administration's, um, you know, any re request or anything that they may have had. And he's definitely um, broken the long since standing um, 
understanding that the Department of Justice, the DOJ, is a nonpartisan uh, a part of government. Um, and he's definitely shown his allegiance um, to Trump and to his administration's uh, policies. Um, but he departed from that um, by stating that he uh, and his department were unable to locate um, any cooperating evidence that supported uh, the president's claims of widespread voter fraud. So he essentially said, um, to break it down, that there was no voter fraud, which everybody except for Trump and his administration and his core voter group understand. So because of that, that understandably has caused some tension because if there's anything that we have taken from the Trump administration is that loyalty and loyalty to Trump is of utmost importance to him. And it is a requirement if you wish to be in his inner circle, if you wish to work for him, if you wish to do anything regarding him, that you have loyalty to him above all else. So he sees um, understanding and looking into his behaviors and his psyche. He sees Attorney General Barr's um revelation that there is no voter fraud um, as him being disloyal. And because of that, Barr is said to be weighing whether uh, to to leave Trump. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, to leave before Trump term before Trump's term ends. Um, Attorney General William P. Barr's uh, future came into doubt after he acknowledged that the Justice Department had not found evidence of widespread voter fraud in the president's election loss. Barr has not made a final decision and the prospect of him staying through January 20 remains a possibility. People familiar with his thinking have stated. So we'll see. Um, you know, he he serves as, uh, you know, a member of the administration. So, of course, because Trump did not win his reelection bid, all of those people that are, you know, in his administration will no longer be working at the White House and all of uh, President-elect then President uh, Joe Biden's uh, cabinet and his uh, selections and picks for, you know, the different uh, governmental openings and jobs will then come in um, to restructure and, and uh, you know, begin his tenure and his government. Right. So, I mean, he's going to be out of a job next month anyway. So I don't really see the need um, for him to leave. And then they're they to put them to put someone there for the next few weeks. But I guess I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily necessary, but we shall see um, what ends up transpiring. And if he does end up leaving weeks before, they would be all leaving anyway. Um, so this next story really bothered me. So um, everybody knows globally that we are battling the coronavirus. Um, there is not a place on earth that the coronavirus has not touched from metropolitan areas to rural areas with indigenous tribes. This has been 
um, something that everybody has experienced and understands quite well. Um, and it also is no secret that because of the grave mishandling of Trump and his administration, that America, um, who is usually the leader and the buffer uh, that prevents such things from taking place, has been hit exceptionally hard. Um, so to find out uh, that Trump, the Trump administration officials passed when Pfizer offered uh, in a late summer sale to the U.S. is uh, just, again, there's there's many things with this administration that are just not shocking just because I think we've been so desensitized. But this 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 still this this one still uh, shocked me. Um, so the Trump administration officials passed when Pfizer offered in the summer to sell the U.S. more coronavirus vaccine doses. Uh, people familiar with the matter said now Pfizer may not be able to provide more doses to the U.S. until next June. Um, so it's just it's just ridiculous to me how badly, just how utterly badly they have bumbled and mishandled and fumbled and just utterly epically failed when it has come to the virus. How do you not take the opportunity to get as many of the vaccines as is absolutely humanly possible? Like all this America first business is just ridiculous. This is Trump first because if it if, if it was truly about America and its citizens um I don't know any administration that would have bumbled that like how do you not take advantage of that you know um the whole world is waiting with bated breath for a vaccine so that we can get on with our lives and here you have an opportunity to get more of the vaccine and you decline who in their right mind does this? Who? Anyways, um, so there's been a lot of rhetoric, you know, pertaining to voter fraud and just the lies that go with that. And there have been a lot of issues with the Trump administration and people who represent the Trump administration and Trump's lawyers um, saying things that are very vile and violent when it comes to the aggressiveness that they have towards people that they that they view um, as their enemies who do not go along with the madness, people who actually talk about the statistics, people who actually speak about what should be done better, people who actually, um, you know, buck the system and do not allow, uh, you know, this bevy of disinformation to just come out without any type of challenge. Okay. And we've seen it in uh, the situation with uh, the governor in Michigan, where th those uh, militia members were uh, planning a plot to uh, kidnap her and place her on trial and eventually kill her for her crimes. And luckily, the FBI was able to foil that plot and stop it. Um, but it's as if his administration continues to not learn anything. And then we had, you know, the cybersecurity chief, uh, Chris Kerbs, where the uh, one of Trump's lawyers stated that he should be 
brought outside at dawn and executed. I mean, as if this is like the early 1700s or something ridiculous. Um, Again, you know, just a continual dereliction of duty and a continual downward spiral of just complete um, utter nonsense and just crazy, uh, you know, talking points coming out um, that are completely dangerous um, because someone could get hurt because everybody doesn't know not to take people serious. There, there are some people who are waiting uh, for their rallying cry from Trump. And as soon as he or someone who is representing him or one of his lawyers says something, they're ready to pounce, you know? Um, so again, we have a similar situation with the Michigan Secretary of State um, who states uh, that armed protesters descended on her home on Saturday. That's just got to be a very scary scenario um, to have people who are armed in your front yard. Um, Michigan Secretary of State Johnson, Joycelyn, excuse me, uh, Benson says armed protesters descended on her home Saturday night uh, using megaphones to chant slogans and echo conspiracy theories about the November election. At least one individual could be heard shouting your your murderers with an earshot of her child's bedroom. Just horrific. Um, she goes into further detail. She states uh, the individuals gathered outside my home targeted me and targeted me as Michigan's chief election officer. But their threats were actually aimed at the 5.5 million Michigan citizens who voted in this fall's election, seeking to overturn their will. They will not succeed in doing so. Um, so. Essentially, we have these, you know, terrorist organizations that are uh, working at the behest of uh, the current administration because they're um, taking their cues off of the conspiracy theories that are flooding, uh, you know, social network networking sites and and private sites. Um, and this disinformation campaign and lies about voter fraud that are coming from the administration, the current administration and those that represent them. And um, it's all lies. And they are this administration is putting people um, at risk because they're doing their job. Um, they're doing their job. They're counting the votes. <laughs> They're certifying elections for the person who won the election. And this is just becoming so problematic because I'm so nervous that there's going to be something that's going to happen that is going to skip under the radar and someone is going to get hurt because of the lies and the disinformation that's being pushed. And no one should have to lose their life over nothing. You know, this is just an ongoing, you know, unnecessary push of just 
a person who's refusing to accept reality. And unfortunately, he's taking so many others down the rabbit hole with him. And it just makes me fearful for those who are serving as election officials um, who are having to um, live under such duress for simply doing their jobs. Like they didn't sign up, they didn't run, they weren't nominated, they didn't accept posts um, to have to live in fear, um, to have their children have to live in fear because they're simply just conducting their job. So uh, the House passes a historic bill decriminalizing marijuana. The House of Representatives voted Friday to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level and to expunge nonviolent convictions for marijuana-related offenses. The Moore Act also authorizes a 5% sales tax on marijuana products to be reinvested in community grants and programs, including job training, legal aid, and substance abuse treatment for communities who, um, for for uh, communities where um, drugs were rampant. Uh, this is the California Congress member Barbara Lee, who co-sponsored the bill seeking speaking on the House floor ahead of Friday's historic vote. Black and brown people are targeted more frequently than white Americans despite equal rates of use. Additionally, prison sentences for black and brown people are more likely to be lengthier than white people. Black men receive sentences over 13% longer than white men and nearly 80% of people in federal prisons for drug offenses are black or Latino. Um, so I'm really glad to see this. Um, this, the uh, war on drugs was really a class war system um, that disproportionately affected those in urban areas and those in uh, black and brown uh, communities and they were more likely to receive harsher penalties and sentences uh, for, uh, you know, very small amounts of marijuana. Um, I think that it's good that they're looking to expunge records. I think it's good that they're looking to let people out because let's be honest, this is now something that is going mainstream. Uh, it's been decriminalized in a lot of states already. Um, and people, it's not only been decriminalized, but it's been approved for recreational use in a lot of states, uh, approved for, uh, the benefits that it has holistically when, uh, combating and fighting certain, uh, infections and certain, uh, uh, diseases and for people who would rather, uh, utilize marijuana than maybe some type of opioid for for pain management. I mean, you know, you're you're talking about something that is natural from the earth, that grows from the earth. Um, we're not talking about something that's processed like uh crack or methamphetamine. Like you're literally talking about a plant. Um and the fact that white America is now benefiting and is and is now investing and making tons and tons of money for something that, uh, you know, not too recently would, would have been viewed as a complete crime punishable by 
prison. Um, I think it's definitely time to decriminalize it and um, allow more than just one sector to benefit from it. I mean, when you look at the fact that the former one of the former speakers of the House, John Boehner, um, is an investor in a marijuana business like this is something that has gone mainstream. So I do think that much like prohibition and much like the boom uh, that it was when people were uh, running alcohol and a lot of families that hold influence today, like the Kennedys, uh, became rich off of, uh, you know, something that was once considered illegal. I don't think that the door should be shut to, um, you know, to one demographic, but open to another. So I think it's... Um, it is great that uh, we have come to a point where um, our society is moving forward and we're starting to right uh, some of the wrongs that were done um, that, you know, specifically face communities of color. So it will definitely be interesting um, to see how they move forward with this now that they have decriminalized that and what that's actually going to mean for persons who are currently um, incarcerated and when they can actually see uh, freedom. So 17 states tell uh, the Supreme Court that they support Texas' bid to reverse Biden's win. 17 states told the Supreme Court that they support an effort by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, to sue and effectively reverse President-elect Joe Biden's uh, projected win in the Electoral College. Uh, the filing came a day after Paxson asked the Supreme Court for permission to sue Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin over the election results, uh, which Biden won in all instances. Uh, President Trump filed a motion to intervene in the case in his uh, personal capacity as a presidential candidate. Uh, Trump defeated Biden in the popular vote uh, and the popular vote of the states supporting Paxton's big. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Paxton is under investigation currently, federal investigation, and um, there are some that speculate that he is doing so because he that he is uh, filing uh, this motion with, with the Supreme Court um, on behalf of uh, the president so that he can look favorably in the eyes of the president and hope in hopes of there being a pardon that trickles down for him. Um, now, of course, we can't prove that. We don't know that that's necessarily the case. Um, this is all speculative. Um, but that is the speculation since uh, Trump is giving out pardons. Um, he's hoping that he might be able to get one. So we'll have to see how that goes. Now, understanding this latest uh, attempt is um, means nothing uh, because the election has been certified um, and uh, it's over. <laughs> There's absolutely and the time frame to challenge uh, the election um, passed on Tuesday. Um, so we're done with that. So all of this is just more ceremonial 
weirdness <laughs> that's really unnecessary. Um, you know, at a time when we have so many people succumbing to the virus and we're in the deadliest phase of this virus, um, the last thing the president should be concerned about is an election that he overwhelmingly lost in great numbers. Um, his focus should be on his transition uh, back into civilian life. His focus should be on uh, what he can do to still take care of the country that he's charged with until January 20th and how he can effectively assist Biden as he's coming in and inheriting um, a real mess left by his administration not only financially, but the fact that we're in the midst of, you know, the worst part of a global pandemic. That sh is where his focal point should be, not on a, uh, uh, not on an election uh, that he's lost and is done. Um, but, you know, this definitely sets the precedent that, you know, because people know that um, he's willing to give pardons to people like he's already pardoned Michael Flynn, very controversial, um, that you may see other people who find themselves in hot water um, trying to do things to catch his attention that may um, incentive, incentivize him to move forward and maybe pardon them uh, with for whatever legal troubles or actions um, that they may have caused or may find themselves in. But we will have to see how this continues to progress. But I thank you for taking time out to listen to Just the Facts. This is your host, Tasha Bryant.